Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Show me how to do life today, because you know things. I don't know. Now, what is this showing us? Very important. Doing comes after being. Jesus is going to do some things, but before he goes and does them, he's going to learn what God wants to do. That's why the start of the day is crucial for most of us. Do you ever find yourself having to redo a task because you rushed to get it done? Instead of taking the time to read the directions twice, you were sure you knew how to do it, only to realize it didn't turn out like it should have. Pastor Mark will be teaching that you can do the same in your spiritual life as well. Instead of taking the time to read the instructions, the Bible, you push through, confident in your own wisdom to do what you think God wants you to do. You'll hear today Pastor Mark using Jesus' behavior as an example of how all of his followers should organize their days. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Mark chapter 3 as he continues his message, Connected to God who is present and active. For the next three years, what would happen is they would spend time with him. And over those three years, remember, Jesus was God, but he set that aside. You see it often in scripture. Jesus would bring him back in the evening after doing a day. And the disciples would say to him, um, what, did you, what, what did you mean by that principle that you taught us today? Can you explain it? How do we apply it? And they began to learn who God was, who Jesus was. Later at Caesarea Philippi, finally Peter got it right. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. But early on, they didn't understand all of that. Eventually, they would get it. Now, remember, all of this time here, early on is being comes before doing. If you're here and you've never understood the very simple principle that you can't do life alone, of course, as an unbeliever, impossible, but as a believer, you cannot do life. You were never designed to do life alone. You have to do life with God. That's the only way in obedience, in applying those principles that life works. So the disciples would spend three years becoming more than actually doing. A few little things, we'll catch one of them, where they did some things. He sent them out. But very often, they were just becoming. They were learning who God really was. Now, here's number two. 
When Jesus gave them that answer, what was the lesson they learned and the lesson we need to learn? Here it is. Lesson number two, spending time with God helps us to know God. As they're spending time with Jesus, they're getting to know him. Not about him, but to know him. Now, most people, even many Christians, don't know about God. They know his name. They know a little bit about God, but they really don't know him personally. Now, you can say why. Well, you can just see there. Because they don't spend time with him. Now, what is God really like? Is God really knowable? If so, how? One of the reasons, many, that Jesus came to this earth, one of the reasons was to show man what God was like. You've heard me say it many times. Jesus would say to them, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, as the disciples spend time with Jesus and his words, they really learn to know God and his character. You see, the more you know a person, the more you can trust a person. The better we know God and his character, the easier it is to obey. If you were raised in a home where you were kind of taught this, God's holy, you're not, that's true, and you can never please him, and actually he's against you, he's not really for you. If you were raised in that home, you'll have a very difficult time doing life. I want to give you two little principles. Number one, knowing someone takes time. You don't know somebody unless you spend time with them. Somebody came up with this little formula. I I thought it was very good. T plus T plus T equals no. Time, talk, together, or togetherness. That's exactly right. That's the way it looks like. Well, let me ask you a question. Those of you that have been married a few years, would you say you know your spouse more today than you knew your spouse on the honeymoon. And if you want to say no, we have the marriage counseling forms right at the back. (laughs) The longer with, with somebody, what? The more we know them. If you've been married a little while, you know that's so true for all of us. The more time we spend with someone, the more we know them. So I want you to stop and think about it just a moment. The more time I... Spend with God, the more time I know him. Why do we have such a huge percentage of carnal Christians? For one reason. They don't spend any time with God. So they don't really know God. And if they don't really know God, when God says to do something, they can't trust him. Because they can't trust him, they're afraid to obey him. It's because you don't know. See, when your spouse and you get to know each other, you trust each other. You know, can two walk together unless they agree? See, unless you spend time with God, you can't walk with him. It just doesn't work. And so that's a huge principle, number one, but it's more than that. That principle of spending time, get to know person, is absolutely true. But there's another one. Mark Batterson said it like this. When we open the Bible, it's like God opens his mouth. So spending time with someone helps me know them. Here's the next one I want you to write. Knowing the Bible helps us to know God. 
You see, the Bible is simply God's complete revelation about himself and about life. The Bible is God's instruction manual. Everything you need to know about God and how to do life is in the pages of the manual that God gave us. As we read it, we discover who God is, his character, and how God thinks. Now think about that. We discover who God is and how God thinks. And we also then begin to understand his plans for us. Because God speaks through the word. It's alive. It begins to speak to us. So let's just think about this for a moment. The disciples were learning that the more time they spent with Jesus, the more time they knew him. Time. Just plain time. But also, John 1 says... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So as Jesus was speaking, he was the Word. He was teaching. That's what you have. Matthew's writing this. Mark's writing this. These disciples, John especially, in the beginning. John 1, 1 is from John. So as we open the Bible, and we're in it, the more I'm in it, the more I know God. And I know how to do life. That's what a disciple is supposed to do. Now, I want you to turn to the second book in the Bible, Exodus. And I want you to go. We're going to learn a little bit about God. Exodus chapter 3. Let me give you the background. Moses failed God when he was 40 years old. He tried to take things into his own hand. Because of that, he ran from Pharaoh. He was raised an Egyptian, very rich. He chose to serve God. The children of Israel had been in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. Moses goes to the desert. He lives another 40 years. He has a family and children. Comes to the age of 80. And one day, as he's walking the sheep, never expecting to see God, of course, he sees a bush that's on fire, but it never burns up. Over a few moments, the bush begins to talk. It's God. And God tells him to take his sandals off because God's holy. And of course, he's standing there barefoot in the hot sand. So now Moses has all the time in the world. He ain't going nowhere. And God begins this two-way conversation. And what we're going to read is Moses. Of course, he's standing versus sitting and God. And you're going to see this time, and God's going to introduce himself to Moses. He's going to say to Moses, I have your attention. Let me introduce myself. Let's begin in verse 11. What God says is this earlier, just to speed it up. God says to Moses, Moses, I'm going to send you to lead the exodus. You all know about the Exodus. I'm going to send you to go to Egypt, and you're going to lead the children of Israel out of that slavery. And here's Moses' response in verse 11. Look what he says. But Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now remember, when we don't know God, we don't trust God. And when we don't trust God, we're not going to obey God. So he really doesn't know God. Watch this. 
So Moses says, who am I? Basically, Moses says this. I don't think I can do what you're asking me to do. Now, see, that's huge. Moses says, I don't think I can do God, God, what you're asking me to do. Here's what Moses doesn't know. Anything God asks us to do, he equips us to do. See, you can say amen, but are you doing it? See, that's a huge part. Now, what God going to say? Well, I'll choose somebody else. See you. Look what God says in verse 12. And God said, underline this in your Bible, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. Circle this word, when, not if. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, when you've delivered them, you will worship God on this very mountain. So God responds to Moses, I know you can't do it alone. I didn't ask you to do it alone. We're going to do this together. So here's two promises in one verse that God gives to Moses. Write them down. Promise number one. Moses, I, God, will be with you. Now I'm beginning to know a little bit about the character of God. He's not aloof. He's knowable. And we're supposed to do this thing called life together? Well, in the New Testament, of course. Follow me. So I will be with you. That's a huge promise. In fact, when we get to the Hebrews, God says it like this. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But you and I have all been here when we've had a difficult time. Here's what we say privately, maybe not publicly, but we'll say, God, where are you? You abandoned me in this thing? Some of you here are going through a difficult time. You say, God, where are you? What's the deal? You said you'd be with us. Well, he's with you. Understand his character. He's not against you. He's for you. Look at the second promise. Moses, with me, you will have success in the future. I want to just say this to you. If you understand this one, you'll enjoy life. No matter hards, difficulties, ups, downs, whatever. Success is simply doing what God asks us to do. Success is being in his will. Being in his will sometimes, very difficult. Paul and Silas, beaten in a jail prison so that a whole family would come to Christ and that church would have a jump start. Understand, when you serve God, when his word is in you, then you will be a success. You can't be a success with God in spiritual things without doing life with him. You can be a success in the world. That doesn't last very long. Notice all the great successful people in the world. The world will never give you what God can give you. Now, that's just the beginning. Notice Moses. In verse 13, Moses said, okay, let's go. Is that what your Bible says? No. More like you and me, right? And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and they say to them, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Remember, they were in a pagan society where there was like hundreds of gods. So Moses says, in this interview, Moses says this, God, who are you? That's a good question. Who are you? I need to know more about you. In fact, I don't even know your name. 
Who are you? I can't trust you. I can't obey you unless I know you. And then Moses basically uses this excuse. I can't introduce you to people if I don't know who you are. And look at verse 14. Look what God says in verse 14. God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, without explanation, we go, thank you very much. (laughs) Who are you? I am. Thank you very much. That's all clear to me now. I got it. (laughs) I don't think so. See, in the original language, God responds to Moses, and he reveals his name. It's a name that we sing quite often, Yahweh. You remember the Jewish people wouldn't put the consonants in there. I'm only have consonants, no vowels, so Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. What he says is this, I am who I am. Spend time with me. Learn from me. Here's what you'll discover. You'll know me. What am I? I am Almighty God. I'm the creator. I am the sustainer. I'm the life giver. I'm the caretaker. I'm the purpose giver. And I want you to write these down, but I want you to put your name in both of these. This is what God's saying to you, not just to Moses. This is what God's saying to me. Mark, I am God, all that is necessary as any occasion arises. I am God in whatever is needed, no problem. Because I'm God. The second one, Mark, I am God, and this is the one we're dealing with more. I am God who is present and active. See, God is not aloof. God is not apathetic. He isn't like the idols of the world. He's approachable. Your God is approachable. Moses is talking to the creator of the universe. He's present, and he's definitely active. They're in conversation. They're spending time together. Now, if you and I can wrap our minds around those two truths, that the God you serve is available to minister to you regardless, that should speak volumes to some of you. And second, if you can understand that wherever you go, God already is. He's active and he's present. He's with you. He's present. We're not doing life alone. When the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, we don't have two chairs. The Holy Spirit lives in here. He's God. But we forget it. The disciples were doing life with Jesus, who was present and active. Easier for us to picture that than it is the Holy Spirit. Now, when you see that's God, then how do I learn to get to know him like that? How do I get to a place where I can trust him that regardless of what he asks me to do, I can hear his voice, I can understand it, and I can have faith to step out? How do I do that? Well, Jesus shows his disciples exactly how to do that. And I'm going to show you as well. So let's turn to Mark chapter 1 in the New Testament. Kind of back where we were just a couple chapters before that. And watch this. Here's lesson number three that the disciples are about to learn. Write this one down. Start and refocus your day 
with God. Jesus had had a hugely successful day, and he was tired. He was in Peter's mother-in-law's home. Look at verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. What picture do we have? This is Jesus as a man. He's going to spend time with who? God. Anybody else around? Nobody else around. And you think about that. Why did he go out of the house? Because those would be like a two-room house with 12 people in it. So he had to go away where he could get alone. So he started the day with God. Now, why would he start the day with God? Because he didn't know what God knows. Oh, I can do this. No, you can't. Either can I. Now, the Bible gives us great insight how to start a day. Psalms 5.3, you ought to notice something. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice in the morning. I lay my request before you, and I wait. There's time. I wait in expectation. I'm expecting you to speak to me. Second, Psalm 143. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I'm trusting you. Why does David say that? Because he knows God. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. Show me how to do life today. Because you know things I don't know. Now, what is this showing us? Very important. Doing comes after being. Jesus is going to do some things, but before he goes and does them, he's going to learn what God wants to do. That's why the start of the day is crucial for most of us. Now, 20 years ago, plus, some of you have been here a long time. I learned it way before we even started the church. I learned a principle. It's not legalistic, but it's a great principle. And I want to challenge you with it. Some of you already proceed in this, but sometimes maybe just refreshing you as we go through, it'll help you. I discovered something. Here's the things I want you to write down. If you're going to do this thing called a little time with God, you need these things. You need time. You need an appointment. You need to say to God, okay, I'm going to give you 15 minutes in the morning or 10 minutes in the morning. If you want to start with 10 minutes, that's fine. 10 minutes. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I don't have time for 10 minutes. Shut the stupid news off. It gets worse every night anyway. Go to bed 10 minutes early and you'll have 10 minutes. Amen. Can I hear an amen on that one right now? Okay. When you watch that, who wants to watch anything else? Lord, help us. Thanks for joining Pastor Mark today on Lessons for Living. If you'd like to hear more from this study, you can find additional teachings online now at calvaryccm.com. We know that this time in our world is uncertain, but one truth remains steadfast. God is in control. During this season, we encourage you to spend time in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of your Creator. As with many churches across our nation, Pastor Mark and the Calvary Chapel Melbourne community are holding church online. The church isn't the building, it's the people who despite whatever obstacles are in their way, they still worship Jesus and praise His name. 
We'd love for you to join us. Visit calvaryccm.com slash live or join us over on Facebook, YouTube, or Roku. We'll be having services on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. We look forward to worshiping with you in this way until we can be gathered together as the body once again. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying about for you? Let us know by visiting our contact page at calvaryccm.com. And would you do the same for us? Please keep Pastor Mark and our church staff in your prayers, along with our nation's leaders and those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying. If you feel led to support Lessons for Living financially during this time, we would be very grateful. You can donate online at calvaryccm.com. That's all for today. Join us again for another edition of Lessons for Living.